Hi, Shailene. This is Dina Ayers calling from San Diego. And I just wanted to thank you so much for that delightful podcast on being an extroverted introvert, which I am. All 10 is me. So nice to know what I am. I kind of had a, a feeling that that was me anyway when I heard the title of your podcast, but it was really fun to listen to it. And I appreciate your information. You always speak so beautifully and it's wonderful to have access to your information, to your wisdom, and you are very authentic. So thank you so much. Cheers from San Diego. Thanks again. Bye. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. So whether you do or don't have kids, I just really, to be honest, this episode is for the moms. And and I love those of you who don't have children and some of you are trying and some of you is just, you know, maybe it's God's will. Maybe it's later in life. Maybe it's something you're trying to decide on. All I know is that today I really want to speak to the moms. I hope you understand how important this is to me because I don't think enough people talk about this, frankly. I wish someone had told me these things. I wish that someone had pointed out that a lot of the people who I was looking up to and wanted to be my mentor or wanted to have a life like theirs, I wish someone had pointed out to me like, okay, but their circumstances are very different. And it's most evident when you have kids. Okay, so here's some quick tips I want to share with you. Number one, when you're looking for a mentor, First of all, you should have mentors in like lots of areas of your life. But if you're looking for like a business mentor or even like a professional mentor, maybe you don't have any interest in starting a business, but professionally you have big aspirations. You want to be the CEO. You want to be the, you know, one of the lead partners in your law firm, whatever it is. I wish someone had pointed out to me that because I knew I wanted to have children, I should probably also look at mentors who had done the same, meaning they had kids. Because that wasn't true for me in the beginning. I looked to a lot of people who I wanted to emulate who didn't have kids or who had been divorced three or four times, which like no judgment there, but I w- didn't want that for myself. I wanted to, if at all possible, avoid those things. And so to follow mentors who had cheated on their wives, sorry, that just didn't make sense to me, you know, or to find out that they're family life was a disaster or that their children didn't feel like they were ever even a part of their childhood like that's that was just like eye-opening to me like what am I doing like I can't emulate how they've lived their lives and how they've created their success because I don't want that fallout so yeah you can build a business and you can have children and you can do those two things separately and you can also do them together and you can also be successful in your career and also have children And you can do those things at the same time. But find a mentor who's done things the way you want to do them. Be mindful of the mentors that you choose. Next, when you have kids, everything's harder. It is. I mean, certainly it's incredibly rewarding or people wouldn't have kids, right? Like we wouldn't continue to procreate if it was just that horrible. It's not. It's amazing. I just can't think of anything I've ever done in my whole life that feels as rewarding or as fulfilling 
nothing makes me as happy as anything to do with my kids. And so, yeah, it is worth having them, but you just have to understand like everything's going to get harder. Your marriage gets harder. Your financial situation gets harder and building a business or climbing the corporate ladder. That is so much harder. You've got to be a thousand times more organized. You have to have everything in writing. You have to have a plan. You have to have help. Like there's so many things that you can just, you know, go for it and get it done and will your way through it when it's just you. But man, when you have kids, it's, if you want to do it, in my opinion, the way that truly honors the gift that children are, it's hard. But that doesn't mean it can't be done because anything worth having, the most rewarding things you'll ever do in your entire life are really freaking hard. The things that are really easy are not that rewarding, am I right? Yeah, but so just be prepared for that. Be prepared for it to be difficult, you know? And I think if you set your expectations appropriately, you won't be disappointed. You won't be surprised. It's hard, but you can handle it for sure. Okay. Next, if you choose to do both, if you choose to be a working professional woman or to be a mom and also build a business, remember that it is your choice. So there are going to need to be sacrifices. And frankly, your children shouldn't have to sacrifice. You're going to have to. And that means less sleep. I know every podcast in the world, including mine, says, oh, you got to get more sleep. You got to get more sleep. Yeah, I know. Except if you have kids. And then it's just not realistic. You know, if you're trying to do all the things, you can't. You have to say no. You, more than anyone, has to learn to say no. You have to stop being a people pleaser. And you have to understand what your priorities are. And in order to honor them, you have to know what you're saying no to. Because every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to your family. Or you're saying no to your business or your profession. So you're going to have to learn to be very, very careful about scheduling your time, about your free time, and about the things that you choose to say yes to. When you're a mom, you have got to have a plan. You cannot successfully be a mom and also do all the things without a daily plan, period, end of subject. If you try to do that, you'll just wing it. And when you wing it, you do things half-ass. And then you beat yourself up because you know you should've, could've, would've done a better job. You knew you had the potential to. Like, you always wanna do your best, but you know you're not doing your best if you don't have a plan. If you're just winging it and letting like the waves of the day or whatever is urgent on for someone else to become what's urgent for you, you're just surviving. And if you wanna crush it in this life, you've gotta take control. You need to be the person who creates the plan because it's the outcome is what you want and you're the person who protects the plan. You're the one that needs the boundaries, right? It's not other people that don't understand their boundaries that you need to make them very clear. It's your obligation. If parenting is important to you, then you've got to create a business plan or a career plan that allows you to honor your first obligation. You can do both, but you're going to have to be hella creative. You're going to have to say no to like the easy opportunities and wait for the more difficult, more, you know, unicorn type opportunities to come along or create them yourself, create them your freaking self because God will reward you for your patience. I also think it's really important you kind of quiet the noise of all of the rah-rah you hear from women right now, which, you know, like I'm not 
trying to put a damper on the movement where we lift each other up because I'm I'm a big fan of that. But I also think it can trigger comparison and this belief that we're supposed to be doing something that doesn't feel right for us. You know, I listened to a, a speaker recently who was, you know, and more power to her, but she was sharing how she didn't feel it was appropriate that other moms would guilt her because she was, I think it was something like 195 days out of the year she was traveling and that that was her choice. And I'm like, that's true. It absolutely is. And she kind of went on to say like, you know, this is your life. You got to live it, blah, blah, blah. Why should you have to set your dreams aside because you have children? And I understand all of that, but don't allow someone else's priorities or the way they view right from wrong to influence what you view as right from wrong. You know in your heart what your priorities are. So don't get caught up in like the hype around someone else's priorities. If that doesn't feel right to you, if that makes you feel guilt-ridden and like you're dishonoring your authentic true self and what you believe you were put on the planet to do, then don't buy into that. I didn't buy into that. I don't buy into that. I personally can tell you, because now both of my kids are out of the house, I felt that tug all the time when they were little. I felt that. And yeah, I wanted to do all those things, but not as badly as I wanted to be present and provide that emotional security for my kids. I had to be like, every great opportunity that I was like, oh God, what if this never happens again? What if this never comes up again? I had to stop myself and say, wait, that's not the right mindset. I can create a cooler opportunity where I don't have to compromise the things that are important to me. So just don't, you know, I guess my best advice to you is to quiet the noise by maybe canceling out the noise that you hear from people that just, it feels, it's like, yeah, you want to believe that? You want to be like, yeah, that's right. I should be able to do my own thing. Kids can figure out how to make their own damn breakfast or whatever it is, right? Just be careful that you aren't getting sucked into that way of thinking and that you're really truly honoring what's sometimes difficult but feels right for you. My next tip for you, and this is a really, really big one, is never compare your progress, moms, to someone who's got either a different life, they don't have kids, or they want to be a different kind of parent. You've got to keep your ego in check. I know you're capable of doing all the things that she's doing, but your priorities aren't the same. Your situation isn't the same. And I mean very minute details, like is that person three years older than you? Is that person married to someone who is making $100,000 more than you? Does that person live right next to their mom and their mother-in-law and so they always have help? And that's not nothing to be like jealous or envious of, it's just to recognize that their situation's different. You cannot and should not compare yourself to them. When Brett and I, our first like 10 years of our marriage, I've talked about this before, but you know, it wasn't the kind of marriage that we had in the second half of our lives together, which is continuing on obviously. But like the first 10 years of our marriage, I couldn't do the things that other women did that even had kids. So it's not even just like comparing yourself to women that have kids. Like my husband wasn't like their husbands. Brett was very possessive. He would never say I couldn't do anything, but there was like, gosh, if I asked like, oh, hey, I'm thinking about going to this conference, there'd be this weird, strange tension between us that was 
unbearable for me because I could feel it and I knew he didn't like that and I knew it upset him so I couldn't do those things I mean I could but I chose not to like I couldn't do those things do you know what I'm saying do you understand what I'm trying to say so it didn't make sense for me to compare myself to women who were married to someone who was different than that or someone who had you know one kid versus two kids or someone who had five kids you know you just can't compare yourself to anyone else's situation but really most importantly don't compare yourself to women who do not have children or whose circumstances are so different from yours that it's just not as hard for them as it is for you okay and this is a big one I really need you to hear this you do not get a redo when it comes to raising your kids. The days feel endlessly long. You feel like everybody is flying by you. It feels like you will never be able to live your purpose. Your business will never grow to the size that you want it to be. You'll never be able to do all these cool things that all these other people are doing. That you'll never have you know, the body you want because you're so busy with your kids you don't have time to go to the gym or the career or the notoriety or the fill in the blank. But here's the deal. The moments with your kids are going to go by. Those moments are going to go by slow, for sure. But the years happen so fast. I can't even believe I'm here. And every time you say yes to something, because you think, well, I might not get this opportunity again, that is scarcity mindset. I just want you to remember that better fitting opportunities, bigger blessings are coming your way. So honor your priorities. And this one is equally important. Don't you dare use your kids as an excuse. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't put your business aside and say, oh, it's because I want, really want to focus on my kids. Because, girlfriend, you can do both. You absolutely can kill it in business, in your career, and be an incredible mom. But your journey is going to look different. And I think too often moms give up because they're comparing their progress to someone else and they think, okay, well, I can't do it as big as that person. So therefore, I'm going to stop doing it completely and just focus on my kids. No, if you really want it, don't use it as an excuse. Just say, it's not a priority to me right now. Maybe I'll do it later. Or get real serious about it. Get real organized and look yourself in the mirror and go like, yeah, I can do this because you know what? I am spending about five extra hours a day on social media doing nothing or because you know what I can get myself much more organized and take advantage of the time when they're napping take advantage of the time when they are in school I can get up an hour earlier I can go to bed an hour earlier I can work with my husband to find a way to reach these objectives together like don't just say oh you know it's too hard and I'm gonna focus on my kids if truly you want something else. Like, just be honest about it. Don't use them as an excuse, but yeah, it is definitely gonna be harder. I'm gonna encourage you to show your kids what it means to sit in the driver's seat, to be in charge of your destiny. Having said that, the best tactical action, like advice I can tell you, like the thing that you should do like today, is to sit down and put your priorities in writing. You really encouraged my freedom to pursue my passions. And that was more than just sports, but, you know, in my quote unquote businesses that I ran when I was little, which none of them lasted for more than a month or two or inventions that I had or when I wanted to be an architect or, mm -hmm. you know, when I did Taekwondo for a couple months or, you know, there's just so many different things that I did. And you were always very encouraging 
of like, is that what you want to do? Is this, you know, do you want to go on to first grade? Do you want to do second or do kindergarten again? Do you want to play on this team? Do you want to play this sport? Do you want to try this thing? So you were very, very encouraging of my freedom to like express myself and do artistic things and do athletic things and dance. And it was always just like, whatever I wanted, if I was passionate about it, you would really promote and encourage me to follow that. Mm, That's good. Yeah, I put on mine, one of the things that I intentionally did was I wanted to foster self-sufficiency and also empower you to know, like, you could do it. You could figure it out. And it didn't matter what it was. It would be cool. It was okay with us. And so we would try to foster those things. So examples. Oh, like using social media. You know, you wanted to use social media from a really young age, like most kids did. And I said, that's totally cool as long as there's an intention behind it. Like you need to have a purpose. And so you would present to us like, okay, so I want to use YouTube. We should, oh, we should link to Brock Shots. Oh, we need to link to Brock Shots. Yeah, this is awesome. So when he was little and he wanted to have a YouTube channel, I'm like, okay, what is it going to be? What's the purpose? What are you trying to do? And he's like, well, I just want to teach people how to have fun and be active by loading he and his sister and all of his friends for what, like two summers, three summers? Two summers in a row, yeah. Created this YouTube channel. We'll link to it because it is hysterical. And it was called Brock Shots. Mm -hmm. And he would make these crazy basketball shots from like rooftops and in costumes. And I says, as long as you're, you know, using social media with an intention that's positive, I love it. And it fostered creativity. And Mm -hmm. eventually you started using Twitter and that was one of your first business. I always say businesses, but it's like, it's not really wasn't a business per se. It was one of the first things you did to make money online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be a better way to put it. And even before YouTube, there was my blog that I had when I was like Have you 10. checked to see if it's still it up? Is, it is still up. What's it called? It's, I believe, brockrocks.blogspot.com. <laughs> I'll, we'll put the, yeah, we'll find it and put the link in the, what, in the I description. Don't even re- I remember that, but I don't remember what you blogged about. <laughs> it was literally, it's the funniest thing to look back at because every blog had three comments. One was by you, one was by Janelle Summers, and one was by a third account Monica. that I had made for my dog. Oh. And I, my dog would comment on my own blog. Oh, perfect. And all the blog posts were just, you know, like, here's what I did today or mm-hmm. here's some funny story I have to tell. Lots of typos and just hilarious. But like, of course, it was like all moderated by you. And mm-hmm. the only people who ever saw it was like our family, you know, but just the getting used to being online and sharing things and telling stories and having people engage with it was, that was something from a very young age. Yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> and kind of in that same vein, the one that I wrote down, I think it's similar, but the way I thought of it as a parent is that I wanted both you and Sierra, to have that artistic side. Mm -hmm. So we did a lot, a ton. We painted, we made things, we drew things, we designed things. Had you both do dance. I mean, you didn't take dance lessons per se, but we always dancing. Oh, you're a great dancer. Still am a great dancer. But yeah, no. And (laughs) I really, really do appreciate that. And even talking to some of my best friends today, like I was talking to one of my best friends like a week ago and I was like, what's your creative outlet? Like, I feel like everyone needs some kind of a creative outlet, even if you're not, you know, the most creative traditional person, you know, with like painting or drawing, artistic person. uh Yeah. uh You still need a creative outlet, whether that's, you know, even just listening to music or or just experiencing a great movie or, you know, something like that to me is still somewhat creative. Like people need their creative outlet. And so 
I was kind of bummed out a little bit to hear some of my friends when asking them that question be like, yeah, you know, I don't think I really have one. Like, I don't really do anything like that. And for me, it feels so fulfilling and it feels so like meditative and yes, so like yes, yes. healing and, and it just makes me feel so grounded and so happy to do something creative, whether and luckily because we did so many different creative things from young ages, I have developed skills in like painting or drawing or design. Yeah, that's one of the things that we would do. We had you know, an art night and we would get these big giant canvases and you can't be on your phone and you can't be glued to a TV or doing technology and paint at the same time. So we would do music. Mm -hmm. We always played tons of music, loud music, and we would dance and we would paint and create. We would listen to music. We didn't Really. What did I say? You said well, you said we played music. I oh, think that yeah. might give people the impression that we <laughs> played instruments. That is the one artistic, creative thing that I have no inclination for. Yeah, that's good. And that's playing instruments. But yeah, going back a little bit, was I really appreciated how you always encouraged us to talk to adults and to be independent. And like a specific example would be, you know, if we were at a restaurant, you weren't ordering for us. We were going to right. order. And if, you know, we wanted a plain cheeseburger... We were going to have to order it the way we wanted it. It wouldn't be just like cheeseburger mm -hmm. and then have the parent interrupt and be like, oh, he doesn't want any of this on end. You know, speak up, sweetie. But it was just encouraging us to be independent. And if we wanted something to be able to go talk to adults and not seeing ourselves as less than adults, like still having respect, but not seeing ourselves as inferior or, or like that our voices and our opinion didn't matter. Or incapable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you guys would resist it sometimes, you know. I can't go to practice, so will you call my coach and tell them I have a doctor's appointment? I would say, no, you can call your coach. It's fine. You can do it. And, and so sometimes you guys would not want to, but I always knew, even as adults, you have to sometimes make telephone calls. You don't feel like making it. You still have to do it, and it's far less painful once you do it. Let's get back to music for a second because it just made me think about a question I get all the time mm -hmm. about rap music, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I love rap music. I love all kinds of music. So I really tried to expose you guys and talk to you about bands and artists and eras of music. And I love music. But rap music is loaded with really inappropriate, explicit lyrics. And I had friends who were like, oh my gosh, please, Shaleen, when they're in your car, don't play that music. I can't believe you play that music around your kids. But I did. I mean, I would tell you guys what you could and couldn't say and what, what words you couldn't sing. Mm -hmm. So how, what is your impression of that? Yeah. So first of all, something that I've heard you say before, you wouldn't call them bad words mm -hmm. because then we would associate the people using them as bad people. You'd call mm -hmm. them adult words. Mm -hmm. And so even though you might think, oh, well, doesn't a kid want to be an adult? Sure. But if they respect the rules and the, the fact that they're not an adult yet, then they can't use those adult words. And when we're an adult, we can choose to use those words if we want mm -hmm. to. Hey, okay, this will only take a second. It's a true story. If you follow me on social media, you have watched this happen. So I love living in my yoga tights. Of course, I try to make it look like an outfit, but let's face it, yoga tights are now not just for people who work out, right? They're super comfortable. They're way more comfortable than jeans and you can run your errands in them, etc. So let's just say I have a lot of them. And it's kind of been my pet peeve because the price of workout wear is ridiculous. And they never seem to fit me right. So, you know, I'm spending like $110 on a pair of leggings. Are you kidding me? Only to have them not fit me right. And I have to like cut off the bottoms and then have them taken in. It's ridiculous. 
So I've been seeing these ads for Fabletics. So I just put it out there. I went on my Instagram stories and I'm like, have you guys used or bought Fabletics before? And what do you think? And the response was overwhelming. Like, love them, love them, love them. You're going to die. They're so great. I was pretty impressed. So I immediately went on and, okay, I'm not going to lie. I ordered 10 pairs. And I figured if I don't love them because I've got this great return policy, I can return all of them. But I wanted to try all the different styles. I wanted to try the high-waisted pairs. I wanted to try the ones that looked like they had a shorter inseam. I wanted to try the ones with the little pocket on the thigh. I wanted to try them all. And because of their killer return policy, I knew I had nothing to lose. Amazing. You guys, I'm tripping. Two days later, I went through all of my other leggings and I threw out or donated all the other pairs that were driving me crazy, but I've donated all of them. You definitely want to try Fabletics. Here's the deal. You, because you are a member of the Shaleen audience, get up to 50% off the regular price when you become a VIP. You definitely want to do that eventually. But if you just want to check them out, you can check out as a guest. Now, here's how it works. You go to their website. I really appreciate Fabletics for becoming one of our sponsors. As you know, I'm not going to ever mention anything to you that I don't personally use or love for that matter. So you go to their website, fabletics.com forward slash Shaleen, take a quick 60 second pop-up quiz. And that's important because it's going to help you narrow down your choices. Then here's the deal. You get two pairs of leggings. Are you sitting down for this? For $24. And when you get them, you're going to be blown away. I mean, the quality is insane. I would dare say better than some of the tights I've paid over $100 for. I have two favorites so far. It's the Solar and the ones, I'm not sure what they're called, but they have a little pocket on the side on the hip. Holy cow, I love those because when I'm working out, I don't have to carry my phone around. I just stick it in my little pocket. But out of all the pairs that I ordered, I liked every single one of them. I didn't even return one pair. And I got a couple of their tanks too. And I can't remember the names of them right now, but I'll show you on social media. Anyways, this won't be the last time you'll hear about Fabletics. Go get yourself two pairs for $24 by going to fabletics.com forward slash Shaleen. All right, now back to the show. Okay, Shaleen. My 14-year-old claims that she's the only person in her whole school who does not have a phone. (laughs) That's funny. Her father and I have been trying to hold out. She has a laptop, she has an iPad, so she's able to communicate with her friends in that way, and we do let her spend some time on technology. I just don't know why she needs a phone, and I'm not sure at what age we should let her have one. Well, first of all, I mean, yeah, that's pretty crazy that you've been able to go that long without giving her a phone in today's day and age. I mean, I know it happens. My friend Monica, who's got triplets, her kids didn't get a phone until this year when they turned 15. And I think they were like the last 15-year-olds on the planet to finally get a phone. But, you know, here's the reality of it. What are you trying to protect them from? If you're trying to shield them from social media and the things that they can see online, newsflash, they've already seen it. They've already seen it on their friends' phones. You're not sheltering them from any of those things. When they're at school, they're looking at their friends' phones. They're seeing everything that you don't want them to see. They're already seeing it. That sucks, I know. But that's just the reality of it. If they have an iPad, they have everything that you don't want them to have on a phone. They have access to the internet. They have access to apps. They have access to adult content. I mean, unless you're really putting in some safeguards, which there are lots of them you can place on your phones. But most people are not. And even if you are, that doesn't protect your children from seeing the things that are on their friends' phones and their friends' digital devices and on your laptops and 
I mean, the internet's a scary place. I hate to think at what age my kids saw things just because there's an internet, right? Like we, and we really tried to do our best to monitor that and to be aware of what they were looking at and to have set up rules and policies, but we didn't helicopter parent them. And I, I just knew that they're going to see things. And so we had those conversations. My question is, what is it you're trying to protect her from? That's number one. And number two is, what are you telling her about your trust, right? Like if that's the norm and she's already got an iPad and she's already got a desktop and she already has all these friends who have phones, are you trying to tell her you don't trust her? I mean, or is that the message you're sending her, I should say? And frankly, my thing was, I couldn't wait for my kids to have phones. I mean, I don't even remember what age we gave them phones. Back then, they were like, they weren't iPhones. They were like, I forget what we called them, but they weren't iPhones. So they couldn't go online and stuff, but we could figure out where they were. My thing was, I always wanted to have a, a way to track them if they had been abducted. I wanted to make sure they had a way to call us if they were at a friend's house at a sleepover and they weren't comfortable or if they were ever in a situation where they wanted mom and dad to come and pick them up. Like That was really important to me. So I don't know what the right age is, but I would say it's probably different for every kid and we should trust our kids until they give us a reason not to, with a caveat, of course, knowing that they're not adults, so they're not equipped to make adult decisions, but it is our job to teach them how to make the right decisions and how to deal with the consequences and how to make informed decisions as opposed to making decisions for them. Next question. Our son is a very talented high school soccer player. He's had interest from many Division One colleges and his Club team coaches believe he could easily earn a scholarship. We have spent a fortune on private coaching, club teams, and his development as an athlete. Oh boy, can you hear the guilt already? I know it's coming. He has devoted his entire life to the sport, but recently he told us he doesn't know if he wants to keep playing. We were devastated. Oh. We want him to be happy, but we also want to teach him that life is about making sacrifices. And we think that he will regret it later if he quits now and never truly reaches his full potential as an athlete. How would you handle this? Well, darling, I would suggest that you go back and listen to the episode I did with my daughter, Sierra. It was her decision to quit running track. So I think that's probably the right episode for you to listen to. Why? Because you won't just hear from me, you'll hear from Sierra and hear it from her perspective. And I think this is really important. Here's my summary, though. It sounds to me like, number one, this is really important to you and your husband. And I want to know why. Why does it matter that your son is a phenomenal soccer player? Can he just be a phenomenal kid, a phenomenal son? Does he have to play the sport? I know here in Southern California, if you are on a club team and you're playing soccer, like it's a full-time job. These kids, they don't get to enjoy just being a kid. They go to school and then they have to go to practice for hours and hours. Can you imagine? And then they can misinterpret that as I don't get mom and dad's love and validation and acceptance unless I am this phenomenal athlete or fill in the blank. And it becomes their identity. And frankly. What happens after college? Even if he does go to play soccer in college, the likelihood that he's going to make a full-time living playing soccer after college is so minuscule. I should look up those statistics, but it is 
so remotely minuscule that you're actually doing him a great disservice. This is my opinion, and I'm getting up on a soapbox right now to all of you who think you're son or daughter is going to be a professional fill-in-the-blank or a Division One athlete, that's great, provided you're teaching them balance and that those things are not going to serve them once they're done in terms of like, how do they balance a job? And what does it feel like to not exercise for four hours a day and to not have this identity that's attached to a sport because that is going to come to an end? Teach your children how to be resilient, teach them how to network, teach them how to balance a checkbook, how to clean a house, how to do their own laundry, how to cook, how to clean, how to be kind to others. And maybe you're doing all these things. But the most important thing we can teach them is that they are valuable without a label. So I'd let them quit. And I would tell them, as long as you have something that you're interested in, it doesn't need to be athletics. It doesn't need to be soccer. But as long as there's something that you love, that's what makes us happy. We just want to know that you're something that you're passionate about, whatever that is, and we support that. Next, Shalim, I've got one for you. My girls are 11 months apart, and they couldn't be more different. My oldest is outgoing. She's a cheerleader. She's very fit, and she's active. She is polite, a people pleaser. She's very pretty. She makes friends easily. She's very popular in high school, and people are always commenting on her looks. Her younger sister, however, oh boy, even the word however has me cringing. Her younger sister, however, wasn't as lucky in the looks department. Oh my gosh. Can you just even imagine if the younger daughter were to ever like see that her mom put that in a message? Ugh. She goes on to describe the younger daughter. She is a shy child and she has always struggled with her weight and confidence. I try to help her with her diet. Oh boy. And I encourage her to work out with me. Lovely. And it only seems to drive her away. She's a brilliant student and amazing in her own right, but she constantly compares herself to her older sister. And I think it's causing her to withdraw, gain more weight, and we're worried about her. Well, frankly, it sounds like, mom, you do a lot of comparison too. And it's hard, especially when we have two kids of the same sex. It's just a natural thing that people are going to compare like, oh, wow, this one has blonde hair and this one has brown hair. Well, this daughter's so much taller and this one's so much shorter. Like you just do. And frankly, I have a sister and that happened to us a lot. I didn't see it as a negative, but I suppose there were times Right. And parents just do labeling. I remember my parents labeling my sister as shy. They would literally say, oh, Janelle's the shy one and Shaleen's the outgoing one. And we live up to our labels. You know, so we have to be very careful what labels we're giving our children and how it may limit their potential or how they might rise to it. Right. Sorry, truth bomb. You know, everyone's so quick to say no one should make you feel guilty. I agree. But sometimes the guilt we feel is our conscience trying to tell us something. It's our job to influence our children, to give them the best possible chance. And in order to have influence, we need time and attention. In order to influence your child, you need to be present and around them enough to have an influence on them. How much time? That's up to you. There's lots and lots of people out there who are of the mindset that it is quality 
over quantity, and that is your decision. I think it's pretty clear for Brett and I, it was both. And we, we knew we had a limited amount of time with them, and we wanted to eat up every single possible second of that. But that's also kind of how our parents were, you know? And so we just believe that was in their best interest. Let's talk about some things now that if you're doing these things, you need to check yourself. <laughs> and this isn't my opinion. From a psychological standpoint, the following are poor parenting traits. These are the type of parenting habits and traits that produce anxiety, depression, and all kinds of problems. Oh, my child is so resilient. Once that so resilient child is an adult, that's when these problems surface. So what are they? Okay, number one, competing with your kids. Either you're competing with them, like they can do well, but they can't outdo what you've ever done. Like this narcissism where you want to keep them down. Ridiculing children, belittling them, teasing them, calling them names, embarrassing a child, shaming a child. Doing comparisons, comparisons between your child and a sibling, your child and another kid on the team, your child and yourself. Uh, minimizing their dreams, their hopes, discouraging them, telling them that they need to have limiting beliefs. You know, that we don't do those kinds of things. Our family isn't made of money. Our family doesn't do that. Everyone in our family is poor or everybody in our family is overweight or the women in our family all get divorced. You're giving them limiting beliefs. Talking about your child's appearance, positive or negative. Too much talk about appearance. Even those subtle little digs like, oh, honey, are you sure you want to eat that? Are you sure you want to wear that? That hurts. Teaching them that they can't trust themselves by being a helicopter parent, tying your kid's shoes, picking out their clothes long after they can do it themselves, which frankly, you'd be surprised how young a child can actually do this. Hovering over them, not allowing them to make mistakes and figuring out that like, hey, we're going to survive this. Just be honest. Tell me what happened. We'll figure it out. Letting them figure it out. Not going in to talk to their teachers to see if they can get a higher grade. Oh my gosh. You did not do that. You did not do that. You didn't. You did? No, no. You can't fix life for your kids. They're going to have to go out into the world and fix these things themselves. So you're not doing yourself any favors. You know what you're doing? You're giving them anxiety because they are so nervous now that they won't be able to handle things themselves because mom always handled it for them or dad always fixed things. Are you treating them like they matter less than your new boyfriend or your new relationship or your job? Are you teaching them through your actions that what's more important to you is how many followers or interactions you have on social media or how much notoriety or how much money you have? And maybe you're saying to them family first, but your behavior and the way you're living your life is teaching them that that's not true. Are you teaching them that they are less important? Are you placing blame on them because of the guilt you have for working hard? Are you saying things like, you're grateful and you're spoiled and you're a brat? Like, oh my gosh, any name calling, please. Any name calling, you need to check yourself right now. Every time you call your child a name or even when you say you're acting like a fill in the blank, which I know, I know sometimes it's hard, but you're the adult. That creates a scar so deep that it will literally take a thousand attaboys to repair it. Are you blaming your anxiety and your stress on your child, telling them like, well, I wouldn't have to work this hard if it wasn't for fill in the blank. Like, are you placing so much guilt on them instead of allowing them to be a child? Are you rewarding 
negative behaviors. Like yelling at your child just reinforces behaviors. It doesn't stop negative behaviors. It's a reinforcement. Anything that you see happening over and over and over again in response to the way that you're reacting means how you're reacting is reinforcing that behavior. If you've taught your children that mom's not serious until she starts screaming and yelling or we don't have to pay attention to dad until he's really angry, well, you've taught your child to ignore you when you're calm, that you don't really mean it when you say, I'm going to tell you once. Anger, yelling, screaming, name calling, losing your temper. These are all habits that reinforce negative behaviors. Are you afraid to show your child affection? Are you saying, I love you and hugging them every single day? Are they seeing you acting in a way that is loving and kind towards their other parent? Even if you're divorced, are they hearing you speak positively? Or are they hearing you pick out all the negative, the negative about other people? Do they see you complaining? Do they hear you complaining? Or do they see you being affectionate and loving and saying I love you to other people and hugging and showing how much gratitude you have for other people? Or are you role modeling that you can't trust anyone, that everyone's out to screw you, to get you, and you've, you can't trust anyone, and that the only person that you can rely on is yourself? Listen, I, I know some of these are difficult questions. They're difficult questions for me to reflect on today, even with Sierra now being 18 and Brock being 21, you know, I have to think back and go, okay, could I have done a better job? And because this is such an important thing to me, parenting, I can be hard on myself. I don't think I did a perfect job. I think we did, however, do our best. And we took it very seriously. We went to conferences on parenting. We read books. We listened to podcasts. We bought audio trainings and we worked at it. And we gave those books to our friends and we practiced them and we we believed and still to this day, it is our belief that there's nothing more important than getting the parenting piece right. I think from a legacy standpoint, if you focus on raising children who feel a certain way, it's not that they dress a certain way or look a certain way, that they feel a certain way and how we make people feel affects how they show up in the world. And by legacy, I mean the way your child feels will affect the way your grandchild feels and the way they treat other people. And that has a trickle-down effect into society. And, And that makes for better people and a better world and people who are more loving and caring and kinder and self-sufficient and people who believe in themselves do great things. And so, you know, we had such a short window to get this right. And it is really important. I don't think there's anything more important than getting the parenting piece right. But that is our belief. Those were our beliefs. And we also believe. I want to get this out there. Getting this right has nothing to do with whether you're an entrepreneur, working from home, working for someone else, or not working, or working in the home as a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. It's not what you do for a living or not. It's what you're showing your child. It's what you're demonstrating. It's what you're role modeling for your child that matters more than anything. Hurry 
into Ram Power Days and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500 with available best-in-class torque and towing among 350-3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX with the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built. Or the Ram 1500, awarded number one in driver appeal among light-duty pickups by J.D. Power three years in a row. Hurry into Ram Power Days going on now. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards.